0: Software has become crucial to the very survival of civilization. But did you know that some carelessly written software may be costing American consumers billions of dollars a year? InfoTrack's Roy Mackey is back to take a look. Roy? Thanks again, Chris. Our
1: guest is David Rice. He's an information security expert and the author of a book called "Deconomics: The Real Cost of Insecure Software. You know, I think most of us probably had no idea that it's so costly to the U.S. and even the world economy. Maybe you can just explain what the problem is.
2: Sure thing. Insecure software is software that simply has flaws in it. And once upon a time, these flaws were leveraged by hackers just for some silly games or, you know, to see what they could do to a system. But over time, what happened is that people with more malicious intent and sometimes more technical skill found out that they could leverage these flaws to their own intent or their own ends. And so now what we see is computer flaws being used to enable cybercrime, or in some cases we can even see it enabling a nation-state conflict, as in the case between Russia and Estonia. Estonia was attacked by over one million hijacked computers. And these computers are just, you know, the computers of innocent people, home computers, business computers. They had no idea that these machines were being used. So we have a real consequence with software that sometimes always isn't apparent to the normal person. But even intelligence agencies are starting to gather the real impact of what software is having on our lives.
1: Well, a whole cottage industry of antivirus and firewall software has certainly sprung up trying to deal with this. Do you think that that's not effective?
2: not effective and it hasn't been effective. These are really responses, though, and in a way you can think of it as a subsidy for badly manufactured software. It's not to say we should get rid of them, but they can only do so much good. And right now, the saying is, you know, firewalls are transparent. That is, they really don't stop the things they should be stopping. And antivirus has lost its ability to maintain parity with virus writers long ago. In fact, eight out of ten new malware that come out, antivirus can't even detect. So we're really at a disadvantage with these technologies.
1: You know, David, with all the hackers out there, it seems like it would be almost impossible to make bulletproof software.
2: Indeed, and the goal here isn't bulletproof software. The goal here is simply to create incentives for software manufacturers to create better software.
1: Maybe you can explain what kind of incentives you think need to be put in place.
2: When we look at just the two players in the market of the manufacturers and the consumers, we realize they're really locked in a death spiral. Neither the manufacturer nor the consumer can self-correct. The consumer wants features. There's nothing wrong with that. The problem, though, is that these features add more complexity to software, and complexity is the enemy to security. Well, the interesting thing with software manufacturers is that they don't have an incentive to do security correctly from the first time out. So one of the incentives would be to make security part of the beauty contest. Consumers need to make that part of their buying decision, but they can't right now because security isn't visible to them. And we can look at the same situation with auto manufacturers back in the 1950s and 1960s. Consumers, when they went to purchase vehicles, had no idea how safe the car actually was. Well, that was corrected through the National Highway Transportation Security Administration's five-star rating system. And all this was was a system that made safety of the vehicle visible. Software buyers don't have anything similar to that right now. What consumers need, though, is something to make security visible, something like a safety rating system. And what that does is give manufacturers the incentive to create more secure software because consumers can thus demand more secure software.
1: And where would this rating system originate? Would this be a governmental agency or the software industry doing it?
2: It could potentially be a governmental agency. Everyone cringes immediately when you bring up the term of regulation like that. But when we look at the NHTSA model, it's actually a very robust and a very efficient model. And what it does is simply allows government to set the boundaries. But it's up to the market participants to determine how much safety they actually want and how efficiently the manufacturers can achieve that safety. We don't want government involved in the act of software manufacturing. That would be hands down a disaster. But what we could potentially have is the parameters of the playing field set to say, okay, listen, these are the security things that you have to abide by. When we look at the automobile that we have today, it took 80 years of effort of not only consumer advocates, but also legislative and regulatory approaches. The same thing with software is likely. It's going to be a tough road. But consumers are going to pay a dear price if we don't do something about it.
1: David, do you have a website where folks can get more information?
2: Absolutely. It's geekonomicsbook.com.
1: David Rice, the author of a book called Geekonomics, the Real Cost of Insecure Software. Thanks for joining us on InfoTrack.
2: It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: For InfoTrack, I'm Roy Maggie. That'll do it for this edition of InfoTrack. To learn more about this or previous InfoTrack shows and guests, visit us online at TalkZone.com. Internet services by pair.com. Our executive producer is Randy Meyer, and I'm Chris Whitten. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for another edition of InfoTrack.